uh, Sister Kathy Powell is going to come, and she's going to bring forth her word. I just ask you to just walk before me, Lord, and cover me. And just let this word, God, just touch the ones that need to be touched by it. And, Lord, let us realize that we are made by you and we have a purpose in you. And there is a purpose in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Okay, bright light. I felt like gizmo. You know how the lights kind of fry you a little bit? <laughs> um. That song right there is kind of one of my favorites because I'm going to tell you a little something real quick before I do this. When I first heard that song, it reminded me of um, my childhood. I always felt like I was something special to God. I always felt like he followed me all the days of my life and he kept up with where I was at and with what I was doing and, and he knew where I was at and what I was doing and he protected me. So he'd come running after me and I just, I'm thankful for that. Okay. All right, so today, everybody knows what today is, right? St. Patrick's Day, that's right. But how many of y'all know what St. Patrick's Day is really all about? It hasn't got a thing to do with the leprechaun or luck. Not a thing. So I was, was kind of digging around a little bit, and I found something that somebody had put, and I went to reading on it, and I went to digging and doing some stuff, so I want to tell you something. I grew up knowing nothing about the truth of St. Patrick's Day other than it was associated with Ireland and green. St. Patrick was a 5th century Christian missionary and a bishop and is widely considered the founder of Christianity in Ireland. Legend credits Patrick with teaching the Irish about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity using the shamrock, the three-leafed, little green-leafed plant. As an example to illustrate the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The shamrock has since become a symbol for St. Patrick's Day. This day meant to celebrate a man of holiness and sacrifice has sadly been turned into a day of partying and leprechauns and pension people. But that's not at all what it's about. And considering the parallels between the days in which we live and the times of St. Patrick, in many ways, they're vastly different. However, there are growing similarities, especially regarding the dark pagan barbaric culture rising in our day. Patrick lived in an age when vicious parties would pillage the land and take captive the young and the strong while destroying the weak and the vulnerable. At age 16, Patrick was taken captive by one of those bands of raiders and spent the next several years as a slave on the hills of Ireland, tending his master's flock during the inclement weather, often brutal weather of the Irish hillsides. By his own admission, even though raised in a home of spiritual leaders in the comfort of a nobleman's home, 
He neither knew God nor feared him. Yet in the place of danger, captivity, isolation, he encountered God and he came to know him through much prayer, sometimes throughout a whole night of praying. Years later, he was supernaturally delivered from captivity and eventually he returned to his homeland. Once home, the Lord called Patrick to return to the land of his captivity, carrying the love of Christ to his former captors. He did so in hopes of bringing them into the life that he had found in Jesus Christ. In his season of preparation leading up to the incredible impact he had on Ireland, he endured suffering, dangers, loss, trauma, rejection, accusations, betrayals, delays, denials, persecutions. Through it all, he rejected bitterness and anger, allowing the Holy Spirit to use every difficult situation to fashion him into an instrument worthy of the master's use. Once Patrick returned to Ireland, God used him mightily to set spiritual captives free amid a dark, pagan, and barbaric culture. His was a life of absolute consecration to the Lord. He had come to know God who was, and by his grace, became not just a believer, but a disciple, a matured, radical servant, and a devoted minister of the gospel. Patrick and the early Celtics Christians following in the steps of the first century church lived lives fully surrendered and consecrated, set apart for the purpose of the Lord. They allowed the work of the Holy Spirit to bring them to a place of death, to self, fully manifesting the life of Christ. His life in them was truly their life. In, Gal in Galatians 2 and 20, I'll read it to you. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Knowing this, fear had no grip on them, nor did self-preservation, self-promotion, self-defense, self-satisfaction, self-exaltation or any other self-centered motivation they denied self and they became carriers and full of the presence and the glory of jesus christ the Celts were people of worship intercession opening the way for heaven to invade earth i want to say that again worship intercession opening up the way for heaven to invade earth. Through them, God's glory impacted nations, revealing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and advancing the culture of his kingdom. They discipled, trained, equipped, empowered, and they sent mature believers to take the love of Christ to the world with signs, wonders, and miracles. As true disciples, they produced disciples. The culture of their day was radically transformed by the power of God, working in and through them. Do any of those words sound familiar to you guys? Discipled, trained, equipped, empowered, 
Those are words we've been hearing around the Palace of Praise for years. We should not romanticize the life they lived or minimize the price they paid or forget the dangers they faced. As they followed Christ in the barbaric pagan culture of their day, we too are called to minister the transforming love of Christ to an increasingly godless and pagan culture. Like Patrick, we must know who Christ is, who he has created us to be, and determine that we will allow the Holy Spirit to mature us through every situation. We must trust that he who is in us is greater than those who are in the world, whether they be natural or spiritual enemies. St. Patrick was used by God to radically touch lives and impact the world for generations by conforming to Christ's nature. His brokenness produced a capacity to birth multiplication and transformative power. Today, in a world that is seeking to put out the fires of Jesus Christ and his church, we too must determine that we will keep the fires of purity, passion, and power burning in our hearts. We must pray and we must fan the flames of revival personally and corporately. It is often said that those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. However, repeating some portions of history could be a blessing. There is much to learn from great women and men of God in the past. St. Patrick is one of them. God wants to pour out his spirit and his glory again. Though some methods change, his nature does not. We must seek him for a new era of glory, awakening that can be seen as a wonderful repeat of history. So in hearing the history of this, about St. Patrick, of what this day means, you have to realize, I have to realize, we all have to realize we were born for such a time as this. Just like he was born for such a time as that and what he accomplished in his time and in his day, we are born for such a time as this. We have a purpose. You are not here by accident. You are not an accident. Your birth was no mistake or mishap. Your life is no fluke. Of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He was not at all surprised by your birth. In fact, he expected it. Long before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. Jeremiah, he tells us in Jeremiah, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew us. He thought of you first. It is not fate, nor chance, nor luck. There is no such thing as luck, in my opinion nor coincidence that you are breathing at this very moment. You are alive because God wanted to create you. The Bible says the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. What he has begun, he will fulfill and he will complete it. God prescribed every single detail of you. He deliberately chose you. He chose your race. He chose the color of your skin, your hair, and every other feature. He custom made you and your body just the way he wanted it. He also determined the natural talents that you would possess and the uniqueness of your personality. The Bible says, you know me inside and out. 
You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. You know bit by bit how I was sculptured from nothing into something. The Bible even says he knows every hair that's on your head. It also says you are more thoughts to him than the amount of the pieces of sand. Now, you got to think about a beach when you think about that. You pick up a handful of sand and every little piece that drops, he has more thoughts towards you than the number of the pieces of sand. That's a lot. Because God made you for a reason, he also decided when you would be born and how long you would live. He planned the days of your life in advance, choosing the exact time of your birth and the exact time of your death. You saw me before I was born, and you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God also planned where you'd be born and where you would live for his purpose. There's that word, purpose. Your race and nationality are no accident. God left no detail to chance. He planned it all for his purpose. The Bible says, From one man he made every nation, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Nothing in your life is arbitrary. It's all for a purpose. You are for a purpose. Most amazingly, God decided how you would be born, regardless of the circumstances of your birth or who your parents are. God had a plan in creating you. It doesn't matter whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. God knew that those two individuals possessed the exact right genetic makeup to create the custom you that he had in mind. They had the DNA that God wanted to make you. God never does anything accidentally, and he never makes a mistake. He has a reason for everything, and every person was designed with the purpose in mind. And I have a little video that I want to show you, but before they play that, I want to tell you something. You were created with something in your body that God, I think, in my opinion, he purposely put in you. Now, this is a five-minute video, and I... I, I just want you to watch this because this is amazing to me that God already orchestrated our creation even before the cross. He already had it all in mind. Steve, if you'll go ahead and play that. Long story short, the tour was winding down. Last time around, we were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God introduces himself to me says how are you doing I just want to say hello I said it's nice to meet you he says you guys winding the tour down Uh, where are you gonna go from here I said well I'm on my way back home to Atlanta Georgia he said well what's next for you I said gonna be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta he said oh cool what are you preaching on I said well the series is on the glory of God in the human body he said that's really amazing I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road Give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had. And he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? You got to have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie. Oh, man, your left hook is laminin. 
and I'm, I'm totally blank on lamin. And he goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule. Protein molecule? Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louie, cells organize into certain molecular structures and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. And I'm like... All right. He said, no, Louis. it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's, it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louis. It's laminin. You've got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin. I'm like, okay, let's see it. He said, no, 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 you need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. I don't even know how to spell laminin. <laughs> Takes his card out, he writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I'm like, okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like... That's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! <laughs> I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now, okay? This is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I just can't believe it. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, do you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh no, man, the diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. How crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this. It's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. 
It's right, it's right there. And I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph, and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. And through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Is that not powerful? You were created by him, for him. Romans 11.36 Everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power. And everything is for his glory. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes. It's all for him. The ultimate goal of the universe is to show the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It is who God is. He is glory. How can I bring glory to God? I want to be like St. Patrick was. I want to be someone who can spread the gospel and bring help bring a nation back to Christianity, back to the glory of God, back to revival. We bring glory by worshiping him. We bring glory by loving others. Paul said our love for each other proves that we have gone from death to life. We bring glory by becoming Christ-like as the spirit works within us as we become more like him we can bring glory by telling others about him we need to pray that we can deny ourselves and become full of his presence and his glory we need to be praying for the lord to use us to make a difference in our land interceding for heaven to invade our land we may not get a day named and celebrated after us but we can make a difference with our prayers how many believes that we can make a difference with our prayers I want to tell you something when you are praying and the enemy tells you it don't matter you're just praying that's not true I'm gonna tell you something I believe with all my heart when our prayers go up and our praise goes up and our worship goes up and worship is not all about just singing sometimes worship is just walking and saying I trust the name of the Lord I praise the name of the Lord the name of the Lord is the most high God he is my creator he is the one that I I exalt. I can worship him just by sitting silently and telling him how much I love him and how much I praise him. I can give him worship. I can give him praise and it will move mountains. It will move. The Bible says if you believe what you ask and you do not doubt, it will be now, some would say, well, it might take a long time. That's okay. It, God knows the timing. God knows when he wants it to happen, and he knows when it needs to happen. I am not going to do anything other than to get on my face before God and cry out to him. And if it means I got to sound like a dying cow in intercession for him to get the will done, I am going to intercede over people and over our nation, over our church, over our city, over our schools, over our state. 
That's what we got to do. And that's what I'm asking tonight. If all of you will come forward, if you're comfortable with that. And I'm just asking you to find a place to pray. Just intercede over our city, over our schools, over our state, over our nation, over our lost loved ones. There's many things to be praying about. Over our pastors, over the leaders of our church. There's so many things we need. We have people that that need healing. I'm just asking you, if you will, to just come. And if Danny or Steve or somebody will play some music, I'm just asking you, if you'll come and let's just pray, okay?